Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of the Bingham Group, and welcome to the BG Podcast. Our guest today is Councilwoman-elect Vanessa Fuentes of District 2. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. Buenos dias. Councilwoman. There we go, Councilwoman. Buenos dias. Good morning. Yeah, so we are a few days off of the election, and we wanted to bring you on just to just, just talk about all of that, talk about the path to victory, talk about, um, you know, just what's been going on Latin days since then, and uh, hopefully you're taking a little break or a little vacation at some point, but <laughs> get to it. I mean, I want to start with, for those who don't know you um, outside the district or in the district, what, is, what was your background um, just leading, leading up to you wanting to run? Sure. So, you know, I, for the last six years, I've been working at the American Heart Association, which I had to resign to run. But for six years, I spent my time working as an organizer, much of which was done digitally uh, for issue-based policy campaigns around health access and health equity um, throughout various communities throughout the Southwest region. And so my background is in policy and advocacy and specifically in organizing, which I think, you know, looking back recently in the last few days, I've been seeing a lot of articles and commentary about my surprising victory and I think one thing that the some, media, to some, to some, to some, the, and the media neglect has neglected to to see that I've spent the last six years organizing digitally, and that type of skill set came in handy, especially when we were campaigning amid a pandemic. Um, but before then, I was working at the state capitol for a few years on criminal justice policy, worked on a few political campaigns, and uh, and then some work at the local level as well. Got it. And what made you, so what was the spark to run? Right. I've asked this to a few other folks who, who, uh, your, your future colleagues, soon to be colleagues, just, um, what was that, you know, thing that made them want to do it or, or a series of events that made them, uh, feel you called them to the, the dais? Sure. So I think when I look back, for me, it started about uh, four years ago when I was president of the Young Women's Alliance, a, a professional development, leadership development organization, and we were watching President Trump and getting elected and winning his victory. And as a leader of a women's-based organization, his election felt as a, it felt as a personal attack on me as a Latina, as a daughter of immigrants, as someone who is a woman and, um, and, and the values that he stood for. And so knowing then four years ago, the seeds had been planted for me that given the opportunity, I would run for office. Now I never anticipated that four years later, I would be on a ballot with President Trump um, that quickly, but it just sort of happened that way. Um, and then the reason why specifically a local office uh, was because of the health divide that we have here in Austin. You know, I live in the 4-4 zip code, which determines that my, the likelihood for me and my family would be that we will live on average 10 years less than Austinites living west of 35. And that health disparity fundamentally is not okay. And that is kind of what set out for me to run for a local level office. Mm -hmm. And coming back to on the, on the, on the I-35 divide, for those who may be listening who aren't from Austin or new to, new to Austin, I mean, a lot of that, the I-35 divide um, historically was, uh, it was, it was set up under like the 1928 master plan. So you had uh, East Austin historically has been black and Hispanic. And then West Austin, downtown to, to downtown west of uh, Mopac, has been just white, right? And 
with that, as you know, and this has been, I think the, the mayor, or I don't think Mayor Adler has spoken with this several times in the past, uh, it's been a proven disparity with health, with every, every, every measure, health, economic access, educational access as well. And then I want to step back too, for where, where is it for, where, where, are the, where are the areas of district two? Like where are the uh, kind of the boundaries for those who again are new to Austin and some of the key points in the district as markers for, for those who is a visual? Sure, so a good chunk of District 2 is east of 35, south of Ben White, which includes portions of Del Valley. You know, Del Valley is a huge area that is both, um, half of it of the residents reside within city of Austin limits and the other half in the ETJ, so governed by the county. Um, but that is the a significant portion of District 2. And we also have on the west side of I-35, from Stasny on down to Slaughter, with uh, South First and almost to the point of Menchaca as the western boundary for District mm -hmm. 2. I mean, I was driving around there a few days ago, and it's amazing to me the amount of development. I mean, I, and I grew, I grew up in, now, now it's District 5, so it's, well, actually, I probably would have been in your, in your district because I grew up, I went to Williams, so Williams uh, Elementary, mm -hmm. used to run around Dittmar, all that stuff. So probably, I was probably more D2, out of D2. And, yeah. um, but just the amount of development going on across R35, uh, you know, Goodnight Ranch, all, just all that going East 35 between Slaughter and One Cannon, and then going all the way out to Easton Park, which I'd never been to till I think Wednesday. And I was blown away just the amount of development going on in our, you know, now our, in the Metro. Right. Oh, there's a significant growth going on in Southeast. And I think with, Tesla building right I now. That. <laughs> <laughs> that little company coming in. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so a lot of the growth is happening in Southeast. And that's why I think our community wanted to have a strong leader for, for District 2 in combating displacement and gentrification. So we're going to be working really hard to bring that voice to the dais. Mm -hmm. Oh, I forgot as well. You have the airport, ABIA is in the district as well. So, major <laughs> part and, parts of the city. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, what can you talk? We'll talk about again for. I mean, I I watched your campaign from day one to through now and all the work you did. What were some of the the key digital outreach strategies you you took on? I asked because I feel you know obviously this was a very this this was a, a very trying period I think for all, but I definitely with campaigns and how they how they campaign. You did a great job from what I saw with the. It wasn't just the getting on a Zoom call or a screen and talking to someone. You were doing things actively, engaging with the virtual audience, but you in the real world. Will you talk about maybe some of the things you're most proud about or not, you know, funnier thing? I think we have the taco truck talks, but just talk about some of the things you did. Yes. So we had weekly taquerias uh, talks at um, here in, in District 2. We went to a different taco truck. There are many taco trucks. In fact, I went, ended up going to 15 taco trucks in District 2. Um, and that was a great way for me. Uh, and the reason why we set out with, with taco trucks is that and that's small business. And for me, you know, a big platform of mine is boosting and supporting small business here in Austin. And oftentimes what we're finding with our taquerias, our taco our taco trucks, is that many of them are immigrant-owned, Latina-owned, um, and so we wanted to make sure that we put a spotlight on on them and help promote their business so that they are able to withstand through the pandemic. Many of them are fair, faring pretty well. 
Um, but yeah, like you said, I wanted to engage the community and thinking through, okay, what does that look like when we're not able to engage in person? And so we made a conscious effort to do uh, taco truck talks, but also um, we did vision for our parks where I went to parks in district two and I did a walking tour of what they look like. And I was very conscious of making sure that I had a guest with me who knew the park, who, con you know, who was a constant user of the park and could tell me, you know, where are our needs, where are some of the features of that park uh, and that, and so we were always thinking of, you know, what are some innovative ways? And I really wanted people to see district two because district two is diverse. It's diverse in, in the people that we have, but also in the needs and, and the disparities. And so, I also, with the taco truck talks, I made sure to include a different resident of District 2 so that we could highlight their perspective. And it was a really good mix of individuals who were born and raised in Dove Springs to individuals who had just moved to the district a few years ago. And so that's another way for me to you know, talk with our community members and talk about the issues, but from their lens and their perspective. Yeah. Point two I want to add is that you are now the, the second Latina to be elected to the city, Austin City Council, which um, you know, it was, it's, you know, awesome that you're carrying on that tradition in your district because your district, your district also elected the first Latina, uh, soon to be County Attorney Delia Garza, currently Mayor Pro Tem. And I think just, you know, as it stands, the 10-1 Council is very diverse, but also now it's skewing, I don't know the exact numbers, but, you know, there's several of your colleagues that I would say are in the millennial generation, right? And I'm interested, that I just had that thought, um, you know, as we're getting ready for the show this morning, just what that means for the future of our city. The city is always skewed relatively younger, right? But our, with you coming to the dais in, this, uh, in January, um, it's, you know, it's you along with Councilmember Greg Kassar, uh, Councilmember Paige Ellis, and um, I think you three represent a really millennial block, if you will. I think uh, Councilmember Kassar may bring up the tail end of that. I think he's 30, I think he's just turned 30 or something like that, but still a very you know, younger, younger demographic. So beyond your district, you really reflect just a, a segment of the city that's, that's growing and coming into, you know, relatively to its own, right? Absolutely, yes. And I think that millennial perspective is crucial because, you know, we are the generation that should be at the decision-making table because we're making decisions for the future of Austin with the lens of my, in mind of, okay, how, what will my family, what will my kids and their kids inherit? What kind of Austin are we creating for them? And so that is a crucial perspective to have at the dais. And, you know, I'm a proud millennial. I think I go against a lot of the stereotypes that we may get, but, you know, I proudly embrace the others. <laughs> I'll give you a gold star anyway. So, <laughs> You talked about, you know, you talked about Young Women's Alliance. That's a group that I, I know very well just from my work as leading Young Men's, young men's Business League. Boston, they've had a long affiliation. Uh, can you talk about just, you know, your path with that and becoming president and, and maybe how some of that shaped your, you know, your, what you're doing now in terms of being a leader? Oh, absolutely. I think one area that has prepared me well for public service is that I've been involved in the community with various organizations in a leadership capacity. You know, it's one thing to be a manager at work and, you know, having processes and procedures already in place. But when you're leading volunteers, it's much different because you have to lead from a, you, know, you have to have a leadership style where you're thinking about different motivations. You know, each volunteer is different and motivated by different factors. And you have to ensure that 
your volunteers are having an engaging and meaningful experience. And so I'm excited about using that skill set. And the Young Women's Alliance was formative for me. It was the first organization that I joined after college. It helped me get involved in the young professional scene here in Austin. And also, you know, I was involved with the Junior League and the Hispanic Women's Network. And those three women-oriented, service-oriented organizations really came through for me with this campaign. I mean, they were the first ones in line to say, we want to host you a fundraiser. Where can we volunteer? Where can we send postcards? I mean, they were my uh, my volunteers, my all-stars. They were the crux of this campaign, and they're such great groups. So I, I encourage anyone who's looking to get involved in Austin to check out those three groups because they train up women, but they also give back and serve the community. Very good. And then lastly, for those who maybe look, be looking to run in 2022 for, in local elections, what advice would you give, right? It, what would you give from your experience? And what you learned also during the campaign too. <laughs> I will say it is really, really tough going against the political establishment, going against the city hall establishment, but it can be done. And that is what my campaign proves to individual that if you have, if you have the grit, the resilience, the tenacity, the work ethic, you can go against all of that. You know, when I look back about on our campaign and the factors that led to our victory, you know, for me personally, I didn't earn a single Democratic Party Club endorsement. And that was tough for me because I am a lifelong Democrat. I've served in various um, club not club, but Democratic Party capacity. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was a tough pill to swallow, but we made a conscious effort that my time was best spent really engaging the voters of District 2, the individuals who lived in my community. Um, and so I would say to anyone who's looking to get involved and looking for a path to public service, uh, to not be deterred by um, establishment political structures. I would recommend a, a couple of organizations that are geared towards training individuals to run for office. That's She Should Run is a great incubator, as well as the Latino Center for Leadership Development. They also train uh, Latinos for not only uh, public office, but for appointed office as well. Uh, so definitely check those out. Got it. And you, know, you raised a good point too, just with the, I mean, you were viewed as kind of the, the outsider in the race, a front runner, but the outsider compared to your, uh, one of your former challengers. And when I remember I was speaking about this early on in the campaign, I looked at the, just, there were some past elections that were, to me, similar, the most recent one being in District, District 1 with Councilmember Harvard Madison, but also uh, actually the same year with uh, District 8 with Councilmember Paige Ellis. And those, to me, both, both women running against folks who were one or two candidates who were, who were the conventional uh, nominee who had the all the right boxes checked and so on um and you know we're still ultimately defeated and so again just early on members speaking with you about that just there are a lot of, there wasn't there was recent history of this happening before and in different districts right so i wasn't really surprised i think it's uh i think it should at that point too it should be deterrent that you're not quote unquote an insider or if you're that you're that quote unquote you're not an insider or you're relatively new to the city i think if you have you know, and I, you know, I've seen, I've known a lot of candidates for folks who have the desire and want to get in the arena. I mean, I, I, my hat's off to anyone, win or lose, who does it because I've seen it. I mean, I'm probably as close to it as you can get just in the lobby side with seeing all the candidates, seeing the work that you're about to take on. 
on the dais on those late nights. And you gotta, it's a lot. And so you gotta want it. And I, I respect anyone who puts their hat in the ring and actually fights for it um, and goes you know, all the way on the ballot. Cause it's not easy. Or you should expect it to be easy by far. I know that. Yeah, and you and you have to have that thick skin, and um, you know it never gets easier. Um, but you, I think, the candidate gets better at withstanding the criticism, the uh, at times unfairness of it. Um, but certainly, yeah, it's it's a t- political campaigns are tough, one hundred percent. Well, Councilman, thank you for your time. Um, I hope you're going to get some rest this weekend, maybe just a day, day or half day <laughs> doing something. And we look forward to seeing you sworn in and all the great work you can do representing District 2 as well as the, as the city. Thank you, AJ.